welcome to Med School Faith, the podcast for students who are just trying to walk with Christ towards that degree. My name is Uwana, I'm a med school student, and I love Jesus. Welcome to the podcast. Hey everyone, I wasn't sure how to introduce this episode except to say that I am very excited about it, so we're just gonna get started. You can see from the title that this episode is about storytelling, which requires a certain level of artistry and creativity that doctors are definitely not known for. That being said, they do actually tell stories every day, and sometimes doctors have the best stories, like this. Michelle is a 19-year-old girl who presented at 3 a.m. with a broken arm after her friends dared her to dive into her neighborhood's kiddie pool. All right, maybe we don't tell stories exactly like that in medicine, but we do tell stories of our patients every day. And we have to know these stories perfectly so that we can communicate them well to everyone else treating the patient. Did she hit her head? Is her bone exposed? How is her blood supply and sensation? We don't share all of these gory details because we like to gossip. We share them because it's critical for the listener on the other team to know what we heard and saw from the patient. The first story I ever heard as a child went something like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then there was something about a flood, and then some lady had a baby at what we in medicine like to call advanced maternal age, then fast forward to a Red Sea, then boring, 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 and then, okay, Ruth and Boaz spice it up with some romance, then boring, boring, kings, exiles, wars, then a man named Jesus comes along doing lots of miracles, then, oh no, Judas and Peter in the same night? That's very disrespectful and also pretty dramatic. Then some other boring stuff. And then it all ends with something kind of like the final fight in an Avengers movie, but also kind of scary. And that's what we call the Book of Revelations. Okay, so maybe that wasn't the most accurate way to tell that particular story. But my point is that God really was the first storyteller I ever knew. And some of those stories were pretty interesting at the time. So I tried to learn them as best I could. But once these stories started to feel like routine, I had to learn them again, but in a different way. So for example, I learned that Genesis chapter 3 and Matthew chapter 4 are two sides of the same story. Then I learned that Egypt represents sin, and then a story in Numbers chapter 11 taught me why exactly I can't take any remnants of sin with me into salvation. Right now, I'm learning about storytelling. In the podcast episode about rounding with God, I talked about how he hides his thoughts and his ways in the Bible, and that it's our responsibility as Christians to search these things out. Which, by the way, is not something I made up. That idea itself is from the Bible, but I digress. My latest iteration of searching has opened my eyes to some things about God's writing style. Have y'all ever stopped to think about the fact that the Bible has countless stories, but they're only told from one person's perspective? I don't want to get too deep into speculation, but I'm pretty sure that the human beings who died in the flood wouldn't have described themselves saying, quote, that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. And I'm pretty sure that some of Uriah's friends would not have described David as a man after God's own heart. Even the Virgin Mary, the angel Gabriel called her, quote, highly favored and blessed among women. That's a very interesting way to describe a woman who got pregnant before she was married, specifically in the society that she was living in at the time. But then Mary went ahead and gave birth. And in fact, she gave birth to another storyteller. Jesus told so many parables. And again, all of them were from his perspective. Think about some of the people in the parable of the sower. Would they have described their own hearts as having thorny soil that choked the gospel that was planted in them? 
Of course not. They would say something like, yeah, you know, I believed in Jesus at one point, but when I finally finished residency, my lifestyle got really comfortable. Also, it doesn't make sense for me to be a Christian and a person of science, right? Plus, as far as I'm concerned, I'm the one treating these patients, not Jesus. Getting back to my point, God always tells stories from his own perspective. They stand the test of time because his stories are his word, and we know from the Bible that heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God will never pass away. This is pretty straightforward so far. Our all-knowing God telling us stories to teach us about who he is and who we are, but then Jesus throws us a curveball by telling us that we're supposed to become storytellers. Well, sort of. He says that we're supposed to be his witnesses to the whole earth. He also says that we shouldn't worry about what to say when we're persecuted for witnessing because the Holy Spirit will give us the words to say. In summary, God was the first storyteller, then Jesus. Now we're supposed to tell stories as the Holy Spirit speaks through us. In Acts chapter 2, Peter tells the very first story after Jesus was taken up into heaven. It's the day of Pentecost when the church finally received the Holy Spirit and some people passing by literally thought the Christians were drunk. Peter says, and I'm paraphrasing here, y'all, we're not drunk. The prophet Joel literally foretold this event. Also, Joel and the other prophets foretold the coming of the man named Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified like two months ago. God raised him from the dead. By the way, this resurrection was also prophesied by King David. Okay, this next part is too good, so we got to get a direct quote. Peter then says, This Jesus God raised up, of which we are all witnesses, therefore being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. Anybody else have chills right now? Peter is bearing witness that he and his friends saw Christ when he rose from the dead, And now these people passing by are literally seeing and hearing the work of the Holy Spirit, whose original purpose, by the way, was to bear witness to us the identity of Jesus Christ. All this is to say that these random people passing by are now implicated in the story of the gospel because of what they saw and heard that day. And guess what? 3,000 people were saved that day. And all 3,000 of them could then bear witness of the events of that day as they spread the gospel further. Not to spoil the rest of the story, but the chapter ends by stating that the church began to grow every day. So when Jesus was encouraging his disciples to become storytellers by preaching and witnessing, it's because he knew that this was the way people would come to believe in him. Alright, so we have Peter as an example for how to be a storyteller, but God has given us so many other examples to teach us how to tell stories. A lot of these examples we see in the life of Paul, who was called to witness to all men what he had seen and heard. The book of Acts gives a historical account of these stories, but Paul also sprinkles them throughout the letters that he writes to churches all over the world. This brings us to the second reason why Jesus calls us to be storytellers. In addition to leading people toward salvation, he knew that our stories would serve other Christians by strengthening and maturing them in the faith. Here's a story that I tell to people who are applying to medical school. When I was applying, I came to New York City for back-to-back interviews. The first day was at a school where I interviewed with one of the deans. She was running late and hadn't had a chance to read my application, but we still hit it off to the point where she said, I'm looking forward to seeing you at Revisit. I had gotten a great vibe from the entire day, and I really did feel like it was a perfect fit. So as far as I was concerned, I knew where I was going to end up for school. The next day, I interviewed at Mount Sinai, but I wasn't really checking for Sinai because, again, I thought I knew where I was going for medical school. Fast forward a few months, and I get an email from the first school rejecting me. 
Then later I get an email of acceptance from Sinai. I cannot overemphasize how shook I was to have gotten rejected from the first school. For months, I had felt like I was on a path that led to that institution. Then suddenly my path changed. What was happening from God's perspective is that there really was only ever one path. And that was the path that would lead me to Sinai. The other school was meant to distract me from Sinai and even make me disappointed at the thought of going there. But God in his infinite grace was determined that I would go where he was sending me. Now, I figured that if a dean says they're looking forward to seeing me at revisit, then I'd at least get waitlisted. But God gave me a rejection from the other school so I wouldn't have hope in something that wasn't for me. Over time, the Holy Spirit revealed this to me, that being at Sinai was really me being sent there. And that knowledge pretty much cured those initial feelings of disappointment. Whenever I tell this story, I hope people take away first and foremost that, yes, God is real. And especially for the Christians, I hope they take away that where you're supposed to end up for medical school has already been determined by God, even though the world or your own heart will dangle other options in front of you that seem better. I also want them to know that walking the path God has set for you isn't always going to feel good. In my case, it felt like a mistake had been made at first. Either way, it's important to stick with the path because it will always work out for your good and it will glorify God. Third, I hope that this story plants a tiny seed in people that we didn't choose medicine for ourselves. God is the one who chose this path for us from the beginning, and the path is simply being revealed to us over the course of time. The last thing I want people to take from this story is that when God chose medicine for us, this was his way of sending us into the field. And if we are sent, that means that there is something specific we're called to accomplish for the kingdom of God. When all is said and done, I hope these takeaways tangibly impact the way people engage with application processes, both inside and outside of medicine. Whether you're in medicine or in a completely different field, each of us is going to leave this stage of our career with tons of stories about the experience. And these stories will only multiply as we progress. I hope this episode helps to transform the way you process your experiences so that they reflect the truth of God's perspective rather than just reflecting how you experienced it as it happened. That kind of story that emphasizes how God sees things is what I like to call a God story. One of the keys to telling a God story is that we first have to be able to recognize and identify God's perspective. If you're wondering how to do that, I'll point you first to the Bible. The more you consume God's stories, the more you'll be able to tell one yourself. I'll also point you towards the Med School Faith episode called Rounds with God, because I believe that episode is a really great supplement to the Word of God on the topic of seeking out God's perspective. What I've noticed over time in myself is that the more I am able to pick out this perspective, the more I see that literally everything about my life is a God story that's worth telling. I have one last thing to say on storytelling because I wish someone had told me this years ago. The story you tell does not have to be 100% relatable or believable or comfortable for the person you're talking to. You could be witnessing in front of people who are not Christians like in the book of Acts. If all witnessing was relatable and believable and comfortable, all of the non-believers in the world would have given their lives to Christ already, but that's not the case. In fact, 1 Corinthians makes it clear that the wisdom of the world sees the spiritual wisdom of the gospel and considers it foolishness. We have to understand that God's stories can't make sense until a person accepts them with spiritual wisdom rather than with the wisdom of the world. But worldly wisdom is the exact kind of wisdom that non-believers are working with. I'm saying all of this to say that it's not your job to manipulate your God story into something that makes logical sense to other people. Just focus on learning to recognize God's perspective on your story 
and learning to tell the story exactly as God revealed it to you to tell. And then let the Holy Spirit finish the job of making it digestible for the listener. I can assure you that he's done that before in you, so you can trust that he'll do it again in someone else as long as you're willing to tell the story. All right, I would love to hear about all of your experiences with witnessing, so let me hear them at medschoolfaith at gmail.com. And if you get into storytelling the way that we're talking about it in this episode, I'd love to hear about that too. All right, I'll talk to you guys later. 